So you're sports fans. How many of you love collegiate sports? Yes, I hear a testimony over here. All right. Uh, all right, I want you to know that I have lived most of my life, over half of my life in the state of Georgia, and I want you to know that I pull for Georgia collegiate teams when they're in championships, okay? I just want you to know that. But the state I was born in is going on Monday night to be a part of the national championship game. And, I, well, in fact, my wife and my son are here. Will you all stand? <laughs> Turn around. <laughs> you! I, I'm expecting that you will pull for the Southeastern Conference and that you will pull for my Kentucky Wildcats. Now... And, you know, as your pastor, if you'll do that, when you go in the hospital, I'll visit you, okay? (laughs) All right, good. Um, I want to just take a a pastor's privilege just for a minute and uh, encourage you, if you've got one of the newsletters nearby, I want to speak to this. Uh, I want to share with you about an article I wrote that I think is really a summarization of what God is doing in the life of our church. When I got here um, last summer, Um, I sensed that our church was ready to go. I sensed that Martha Bowman had moved through really some difficult times and that that we were faced forward for the future. And many of you came to me and said, you know, Tim, we really believe that God has something special for us and there are some things out there that we need to address. And some people addressed very legitimate uh, things in terms of uh, lifting them up program-wise, discipleship-wise. But one of the things that kept coming to me was the shape of our buildings. And there were safe sanctuary issues and security issues and, and handicap-accessible issues. And, and then there were some areas and spaces of the church that, well, because of a number of other things, they, they got neglected. And so there, there's paint peeling and carpet is thread-worn. And Liz Hammock, our children's director, said, Tim, I really believe God wants us to do something special with our children, but, but we've got to reconfigure some of this space to make it more functional, more inviting. And some of you in here said, you know, when we renovated uh, the CLC, this room right here, we got a lot accomplished, but there were still some things that we weren't able to do that need to be done. For example, one of the things that we want to do in here is really move these projection systems to a whole new, new level, uh, to HD, and, and to work on some of the lighting. Because we believe that in this setting, that is critical to the spirit of what we want to accomplish for worshiping the Lord. And, and so we're looking at landscaping, we're looking at a digital sign out front. Well, uh, uh, you know, it's like, okay, all these requests came to me, and I was like, how in the world do we pull this off? And so what we did is we asked the, I asked the church council if they would allow for a task force to review every part of our church, okay? Parking lot, sidewalks, landscaping, everything that deals with our property, our existing property, nothing beyond our property, no new buildings, nothing like that just what we have, how can we make it the very best it can be? Over 60 folks participated in that, prayerfully worked together, did their homework, and they came back with a resounding recommendation, an overwhelming recommendation to the church council. 
that the time has come and that we need to take care of some things regarding the Lord's house. And so they put before the church council the recommendation that we create a design-build team that would focus specifically on the existing structures and property that we have. Nothing new in terms of buildings. I know a couple of years ago, um, there was a movement towards building new buildings. Right now, I think the leadership's convinced that this is the time to get what we have in shape, to better facilitate ministry. And so we're going to be repairing, and we're going to be renovating, and we're going to be repurposing space all over this church. And like many of you, when you do renovation, sometimes we do it piecemeal. But most of the time, you save money when a contractor is on the property doing one job right after the other. And so it is, we believe that. And so, this design team meets every Tuesday night. In this article, you'll see the list of those folks who are serving. One of the things we want you to do is to approach them and ask questions. And so what I'm, I'm asking you to do, it's going to cost about a million dollars. And we're going to talk about this more and more. But here's what I want you to do. I'm asking you to do three things that I believe are critical. Uh, number one, begin now to pray that God will use this design team to do some creative work so that we can further the kingdom of God and that people will come to know Jesus and that this place will be a place where people that we've yet to meet will encounter Christ because we got this place where it needed to be. Number two, stay informed. Okay? We're going to have town hall meetings. We're making presentations to Sunday school classes. There are two Sunday school classes, large ones in this church, that have said, hey, we're so committed to this, we're going to uproot and move to make room for new children's space. So stay informed. And they asked questions today. And then finally, I want you to begin to not only pray, to not only be informed, but to be willing to make a sacrifice and begin now, begin now to pray about what the Lord would have you do. Because anything worthwhile, anything worthwhile requires success. Any, I mean, excuse me, sacrifice. Anything towards success requires a sacrifice. And I believe that God is calling us to do this God-sized vision. I mean, we talk about that with our kids, don't we? We say, if you want to make something of yourself, if you really want to make a difference, if you want to do something significant, it takes sacrifice. Like college, Jordan, right? Okay. And what we say is this. We say, you make the sacrifice, and we're going to make the sacrifice with you, and together we're going to pull this off, and maybe you can move out of the parsonage. So, um, I'm just kidding, man. I love you. Um, so I want you to begin to pray about that. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for coming and dwelling in our midst and revealing who you are. God in abide. God transforming the world by becoming like one of us. And Lord, we thank you for the way you have identified yourself. Now, let it be more than information. Let it be transformation. Change us into your image. That's our prayer, Lord. 
It's in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen. Well, there's signs all around our community after a brutal winter that spring has arrived. The Bradford pears, oh man, they bloomed an awesome bloom. And we saw the cherry blossoms uh, reach out to us, and now they're greening over. And everybody adorned themselves uh, with some kind of pink. And now it's the time. It's the dogwoods days. And you see the, you see the wisteria, and it's, it's all around us that there's, there's life. And life anew. And I really believe that the Lord reveals himself, reveals himself through natural creation. That there are seasons in our lives, and maybe you've just moved through a winter, or maybe you're in a winter, and now this message of spring is that God is faithful. Or maybe you see hints that spring is coming in terms of your life. And what speaks to us is the, the foliage and the bloom. And we see that that carries over even in the agricultural world. We, we see that, well, for some of us, spring is a season, summer is a season where we're able to plant gardens. One woman who just recently retired, who worships in this service, said, I am so pumped about retiring. I am so excited because I'm going to have for the very first time my own garden, and I'm looking forward to putting my hands in the soil and planting seeds and seeing what could happen. For the things they produce, what is it that that planting brings? It brings a yield of vegetables and fruits. Why do farmers plant crops? The goal of the, the whole planting endeavor enterprise is to produce, to yield for consumption. And if gardens didn't produce fruit or vegetables, no one would plant. Simply put, the goal of the gardener is to produce, and so it is with God. We are in the midst of this series as we move toward Easter, and we've looked at Jesus as the the way, the truth, and the life. And he identifies himself as, I am the bread of life. Anthony, talked to you about that. And, and I, John talked about last week, I am the good shepherd. And so all these self-revealing I am statements helps us to grow in our knowledge of who Christ is. And now he comes to this metaphor of I am the vine. And he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. In spiritual terms, God has planted people. And God is the farmer. And in John 15, as Sam read for us, Jesus illustrates this word picture in the context of a vineyard. And he takes a spiritual truth that describes himself, and he becomes one that is alive through that metaphor for us. He says, Jesus, if you have your message notes, follow along. The characters of the passage, Jesus is the true vine, the heavenly Father is the gardener, and we are the branches. 
We are God's garden. And the metaphor speaks to us in terms of his teachings in that he was controversial. In fact, those early Jews who heard this thought what he was saying was outrageous because Israel was, was known as the vine, the grapevine. And the people of Israel, through the covenant of God, would become that means of redemption through a great legacy of a nation. But that nation could not do what God needed done in terms of redeeming the world. And so what Jesus says is something very controversial. He says, listen, salvation comes through the true vine. And I am the vine. And I can be everything that is needed. And you are the branches. It's interesting, isn't it? That whole agricultural motif in the vine. In the scripture, it says those branches that do not produce are cut off, are done away with. In many ways, I think that is self-imposed. They kind of cut themselves off. They drop off. He says, those that bear fruit, get this, he prunes. Remember how I was talking about moving through a season that may be difficult, a challenging window of time, events that you're confronted with, and you're wondering, God, why is this going on? Well, it very well may be that God is pruning you. You're fruitful, but through a painful process, he's bringing humility He's bringing self-sacrifice. He's bringing maturity. How does a branch bear fruit? The branch simply stays connected to the tree or vine. A natural outgrowth of being connected to the tree. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And he says, we become fruitful And as we become fruitful, we become pleasing unto God. There are a couple of things I want you to look at today as we take a look at what Jesus says about being the vine and how he reveals himself to us. Who is this Jesus? Well, I want to say to you that he is truly the vine, and we as the branches can abide in him. He's a place to abide. He says, abide in me. As I abide in you. Do you see that mutual abiding? And just as the branch cannot bear much fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. There's something beautiful. There's something wonderful about abiding with one you love. I I think of that in terms of marriage. Or having children. I I think of that with my own dog, Max. Now, Max, Jordan and I have a special relationship with Max. Uh, I'm the alpha male. I, I really am. In terms of the way he relates to me, 
uh, my tone of voice. He follows me as a shadow. Uh, he abides with me. Now, for Jordan, he he'll, Jordan is a litter mate. I mean, that's the way he looks at it. You know what I mean? And 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 they're 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 buds. And 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 I love this dog. And and I guess I just got crowned as as the head of the household to him, the head of the pack. And so he follows me everywhere I go. I mean, this is a little over the top. Delia thinks this is a little over the top. He follows me into the bathroom and lays down. That's abiding. That is abiding. He says, what are you all doing in there? I said, baby, it's a big locker room for guys. <laughs> all right. I wish, get this, I wish that I had that same kind of draw towards my Lord. I, I wish I had that same spirit of obedience. I, I wish I had within me that hunger to simply just be with my master. I love that bumper sticker that, that says, uh, Lord, help me to be as good a person as my dog thinks I am. You ever seen that? And so his greatest joy is to abide with me. And I think the Lord wants us to have that same kind of joy. Abiding in Christ is simply, one person said, abiding is simply staying near a friend who loves you and sticking with that one. That's what happens. He says in verses 5 and 6, whoever abides in me and I in him he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. What does it mean to abide? It means to remain. It means to stay put. It means to linger in one place. It means to dwell. It means to attach oneself to another. That's what it means to abide. And do you hear the promise in that? The promise is, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, Ask whatever it is, and it shall be given unto you. In other words, apart from the vine, the branches can do nothing, Jesus says. But abiding in the vine, all things are possible. Now, we can do a lot of pretty good stuff not abiding. I mean, think about it. Some have had a career, and others are able to raise families, and you're able to earn a degree, and and make some money and, and, and pull off some great feats. But the question is, can you do it with real purpose? Can you do it to the best of your ability? Can you be all that you need to be? And so what is Christ as the vine? He's a place for us to abide. But he also is a life source, a life-giving source. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches, and in the very fact that you abide in me, in the very fact that you remain in me, you have a life-giving source. You have strength, and you will bear much fruit. Last night, I went to a symphony production downtown, and, um, and it was centered around a Shakespeare play. And so there was some drama, some Shakespeare prose and poetry. 
And you know, I, I thought about it. I, I would love to create, I thought about this, I would love to create great plays and dramas like William Shakespeare. Yet if I tried, I probably would fail because I am not William Shakespeare. And how I wish I, I could play basketball like Michael Jordan. But I don't have that natural athleticism. I am not Michael Jordan. And then I thought, how I wish I could live a life of love like Jesus Christ, to be obedient to a heavenly Father, to love the world, offering compassion to those in need. But I could never do that because I am not Jesus Christ. But get this. Yet, if I could somehow place the genius of Shakespeare in me, there would be a good chance that I could be as prolific as him. And if I could somehow put the natural athletic inclination in me, maybe I could be like Michael Jordan. But then I thought, you know, if I were able to place the Spirit of Christ in me, if the Spirit of Jesus could be put in me, then I bet I could love like him. I bet I could live like him. And you see, that's what he's saying. He's saying, when you abide in the vine. In fact, he said this to his disciples, you will do even greater things than you've seen me do. And I will leave with you a spirit. And that spirit will allow you to do what others will call impossible. And then finally, that remaining in Christ, that abiding in the vine, gives us real purpose. You and I were created by God for a purpose. As Ashley said uh, earlier, we were chosen by God, and we were chosen to bear fruit. But what kind of fruit is Jesus looking for? Well, one is obedience. He longs for obedience from us. Not out of coercion, but just simply out of us wanting to be pleasing unto him. He desires righteousness. He longs that there would be transformation, that our hearts would be so moved that we would live rightly in this world. And he longs for our worship. He longs for us to abide and gives us real purpose. And, and see, part of that fruit, we could even say, is in the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And when Jesus talks about bearing fruit, I really believe, when you look at all these things we've said this morning, I really believe he is saying, simply become like me. Simply live a life like me. And you can do that if you will surrender to me.
in biblical times, you've heard of the rabbi, it was the Jewish teacher. And to be a rabbi, you would have to study under a master rabbi. And after a series of months and even years, there would be this apprenticeship that would unfold a mentoring process, and then the time would come. And there were no guarantees. Some were given a yoke of leadership, and they were told, come and serve as as a rabbi, as a religious teacher. And some were turned down. But in that process, there was a blessing. And the blessing was that as you followed this rabbi around, as you became a part of this rabbi's life, as you walked with him, as you slept in similar places as him, as you learned from his teaching, there would be a blessing. And this blessing sounded like this. May you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. May you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Now, what does that mean? That means when they walked those Palestinian roads and when the rabbi's feet were caked with mud, yours would be caked with mud. When, the, when food was hard to come by and, and they were traveling and on a journey, it would be hard to come by for you. When there was blessing, you would be blessed. And as you traveled with this rabbi, the, the, the blessing was this. May everything that he's about become a part of you. May the very dust that blows from him blow upon you. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. In me, you will find a safe place to remain and abide. In me, you will find a life source that will allow you to do more than you ever thought. You won't have to do it on your own strength. And in me, you'll find blessing. For you'll have purpose. For I have chosen you. I have pulled you apart. I have pulled you to the side for great things. It is my prayer that when my ministry ends one day, that people will be able to look into my life and say, I see you've been with the Master. You have abided with Him. I see the dust all over you. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I I thank you that you chose me. There were so many reasons why you could have gone in a different direction. But you chose me. And so, Lord, I give you praise. And I thank you for that wonderful invitation that you have said, come and abide. And, Lord, if there's someone here today that feels as though they have not been abiding. Maybe they feel as though they've drifted. They've lost touch with the life source that is found in you. I pray, Lord, that they will sense that your arms are wide open, that your grace is sufficient, 
your love wins out. Thank you, Lord, for your great love toward us. Amen.